Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show, broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island where it is broadcast continuously for 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. I'm also the founder and director of the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which travels the country supporting local animal welfare groups after a New York City premiere every October alongside my annual New York Cat Film Festival brought to you by Dr. Elsie's. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show was also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their cats. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, no hide, and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaran or Maisie will eat. Melissa Shapiro is back. She's actually Dr. Melissa Shapiro. She's a wonderful veterinarian, but she's kind of become the mom of Piglet, the pink, blind, deaf puppy, who she's turned into a teaching experience for children, and I'm sort of hoping for adults, too. But the reason she's back isn't just because of her wonderful book, the title of which she's going to repeat in a minute because it's got the world's longest subtitle, but because she has now adopted another blind deaf dog. Oh, my God. Dr. (laughs) Melissa, I know you don't refer to yourself that way, but I think you deserve props for also being a functioning veterinarian while being the mother of some challenge, disabled, what's the correct word for the creatures who now share your life, at least two of them are that way. Well, there's more than two, but I do call them disabled dogs. Okay, so they're, yeah. <laughs> so how did it happen that you had to, fu- had to add another disabled dog when one disabled dog was already a fascinating challenge? Well, Piglet came to us, as you know, six and a half years ago. We did not want to keep him then because we already had six dogs who were all rescued doing well and very calm and quiet here. Uh, When Piglet came along, we went through this whole rigmarole of should we keep him, should we not keep him. We were fostering him. He was very 
uh, challenging to take care of, not just because he was deaf and blind, because that actually is not that big of a challenge for me and for most, but he also had a lot of anxiety. He screamed. He's a very needy dog. We got him settled down. We adopted him, and he has now risen to being quite an inspiration for both kids and adults. In January of 2023, just this year, um, I got a call from somebody who had a deaf-blind puppy similar to Piglet that was dumped on a sidewalk in Bridgeport in a little box. He was a tiny little puppy, not three pounds. And uh, she wanted to know if I wanted to foster or adopt him because I had Piglet and I already knew what to do. And, you know, did I want another one? And I, I immediately said no <laughs> because we actually had adopted another dog. We lost one and adopted one. So we were still at seven. And I, we really did not want another dog. Things are pretty chaotic here. I'm trying to run an educate a, a nonprofit that supports our education program, which is called Piglet Mindset. And we have books, and I have my social media pages. We're advocating for uh, rescued dogs, especially those with um, disabilities, on our pages. So in any case, we said no. My husband said we should go visit him and meet him. Then we'll take pictures, and I'll put them on my page and help him find a home. And that was the plan. So January 4th, we drove to Newtown. We met him. We spent about an hour there playing this tiny little puppy who was of course, adorable. But we both left not attached. We really were very disciplined. Very about the brave, home. very strong-minded. Yep. Good girl. Yes, we went and we left. And I said to um, Cheryl, who's the director of um, Pause for, uh, <laughs> Because for Pause, that's the name of the rescue group in New Milford, Connecticut. Okay. I said to her, really sorry, I, I, we can't have him. And she said she understood and didn't expect that, but, you know, we could help him find a home. So we left, and, and two days later, my husband said to me, aren't you going to go get him? Oh, my God. No, I'm not going to go get him. And it took about 30 seconds for me to call her and say, I'm, I'm coming to get him. And she was delighted because she had other dogs that she was that were in her rescue that were also taking up a lot of time and energy for her. They were There was an injured dog and some others. I went and picked him up, and... When I got home, the difference between him and Piglet is that he was not a screaming, anxious dog. He's a very confident little puppy. He came in, and while he still needs to be kept safe and taught, similar to a de- a, any other deaf and blind dog, he's a very competent puppy. And it's not that he doesn't need. He's, he's wild. He chews things. He does all the things puppies do, which is a whole area in itself. But the disabi- disability part of him was, I don't think, you know, the, the biggest challenge for me. But keeping us an eighth dog, um, Piglet was not happy that we brought another puppy into the house. He can't predict what he's doing. He, oh, he does right. And it was really, that was my biggest, um, I think, dilemma, you know, to have to sort of contend with. So uh, I, a friend of mine in Oklahoma said, just go three weeks. Because, of course, I was madly in love with him pretty quickly. And she said, go three weeks. Don't think about whether you're keeping him or not. Just see how it feels. And as, and I went three weeks, and I really I really followed followed that um, direction because I, I I didn't want to be stressed. I was very stressed when Piglet was here for two full months before we decided to adopt him, and I I just didn't need to go through that. So one of our dogs, Lucy, who we adopted a year ago, she has a broken foot that hasn't healed. She has a, an ongoing need to have a splint on her foot 
that's her disability. But she was also very, very helpful. She played with him. She she really entertained the puppy, and he loved her, similar to our dog Susie, who did that for Piglet. And they're very much alike, which is why we're so happy to have Lucy. In any case, after three weeks, I said to Warren, I, I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to go through this. I'm just going to do it. We're keeping him. And one way or another, we'll make do. And we'll manage. And he is a delight, little Georgie. He's okay, much different so, than... So here's what we want to jump to. Why... Yeah. What are we going to... What is everyone else going to learn from this? We're going to learn that there's this one saintly, completely wackadoo couple who <laughs> let just take in dogs. And it's like, no big deal, which for anyone else, one of your dogs might be a big deal. So what is it oh. that we're learning from you is that there is always somebody, apparently, who says, I'll step up and do that. But I sort of want to talk about the topic of, is this a mistake for some people? Would it be a mistake? And then out of obligation slash guilt slash love slash confusion slash personal emotional needs being met by being the savior of a disabled dog, that this isn't a good idea because... While I think that people should follow your steps, they shouldn't necessarily follow in your steps. I have a feeling you might feel that way too. So I'm just, I'd like to explore that idea because everyone is, feels quite bold these days. They're so feeling so, I don't know, sanctimonious or righteous. Ooh, they got a rescue dog. Okay, that's great. You don't, that's not really the thing that you're supposed to talk about. Talk about, you know, how good the obedience training is that you're doing with your dog for fun and playing agility or something. I think the focus on I'm the savior, which isn't your focus, but that people get into it. And I'm not sure it's the very best thing for the dogs or for the human-animal bond. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes, I actually do. And I give a lot of talks and I talk to a lot of people on our social media pages who are asking me about adopting a dog, this was disabled or this was not disabled or, or whatever. The match is crucial. It has to be whatever dog you decide to adopt, whether the disabled or not, has to be the right match for you, your lifestyle, your family, other pets, children in the house. So taking in a dog like I have, these two very tiny deaf and blind dogs, I while children would be great to learn from them, they're tiny little dogs. A deaf and blind herding breed dog who is stable enough to be in a house with kids is a much better choice. So I think that the whole savior part of it, no, there look there's there are degrees of rescue. There are dogs right. that are such a mess versus others that are just dumped because someone didn't want them and there's nothing really too exciting about them in the negative department. And I agree with you totally. When you adopt a dog, you have to enjoy that dog. It has to fit into your lifestyle. If you work all day night and you still want a dog, you've got to have a little dog that's going to sit on your lap or a dog that's going to come with you and lay by your feet yeah. while you're working. Yep. But, if you you know, if, if you're home... Uh, you know, reasonable times and you can take a dog for hikes in the woods or you can go to dog agility classes or whatever you're going to do after you've done the basics, that makes it fun to have any dog that you bring in. But one thing with these disabled dogs that I think is very important, and it's not just a, a deaf and blind dog, it could be a deaf dog that um, you sign to. It's a lot of fun to take care of them. It's a, it's a different, they, they bring a different dimension into taking care of them and you've got to be up for that you want to you, you have to want that most people don't and most people don't even go and visit that as an 
So when you have a dog, maybe a dog that's in a wheelchair, you adopt a dog that's paralyzed, needs to be have their bladder and bowel expressed. Some people want to do that. They enjoy taking care of a dog that has that need, and they do a good job with it. And it doesn't create a burden in their life because their mindset is for that. And the other part of this is quality of life, the, 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 um, how people look at quality of life. People would take my dogs, both of those little puppies, and they would, if, if someone bred them, they would look at them and say, what kind of quality of life would they have? And they would take them to the vet to be euthanized Correct. because they know the quality of life because they think a dog has to run on the beach off leash and or in the woods off leash to have a good quality of life or chase a ball and bring it back. My dogs can't do that. Believe me, Piglet and Georgie now, he has joined our program, do much more than what people think. Their dogs are doing that. My dogs don't need to do that. They're doing something else. They're doing what suits their personality and their abilities and limitations. So those are all really, really important um, pieces and factors to look at when you're thinking about what you're going to adopt next, whether it's a, a, a disabled dog or a dog with no health or, or disabilities, which, by the way, may become disabled at some point in their life. So then you have to be prepared for that as right, well. Which is, a, which is a whole nother kettle of fish or a senior of dog. Course who yeah. doesn't have any of the uh, the activity or um, yeah. you know exercise needs maybe just pure companionship is good so yes a, a yeah. senior dog is certainly not a disabled dog but it's a great fit if that's the kind of mellow laid back doesn't need any training the way right. a puppy does yeah. or constant or they, monitoring right yeah. i or think they that disabled yeah know, so dog can have a disc problem midlife, and now they're a disabled dog. But, Different yeah. than than choosing to take on somebody very young like Piglet and Georgie, who, yeah. given high quality of medical and nutritional care, and having them have dog housemates who aren't going to crush them purposely or accidentally, right. gives right. them maybe a long life. So it's a long life like that. What you do in schools, I think, is really interesting. Because the piglet mindset, as I understand it, has to do with being upbeat, being embracing the day, embracing what you got, not bemoaning what you don't have, and motoring on. And I, I'm guessing that that's really helpful for children. Children, certainly post-COVID, school-age children, are struggling with so much emotional baggage, let's call it, from being sequestered, from being overprotected or protected, and now feeling that they need more protection. You just read about it a lot with summer camps and summer uh, educational programs. Children scared to be out and about, go back to school. They're, they have a lot of disabilities, emotional disabilities. I wonder if Piglet helps, your Piglet Mindset program helps with that. That is what that is what it is. It's it is a social emotional learning program that um, kids can identify with Piglet, who definitely has challenges. He's got a very positive attitude towards his challenges, as does Georgie now, and um, the program centers around Piglet and his positive attitude, as well as the other dogs as an inclusive group, yes, both to each yes. other as well as to the, the disabled dogs. So the, they, they set an example for kids who can identify and really engage because they love animals. So it's a great teaching model to use these dogs 
as the example for kids to learn resilience, perseverance, how to manage when you are different than someone in your class. How are you going to work with them and accept them because you're different? And the program um, is consists of PowerPoint presentations that tell the story of Piglet, put it, it's looking at him in different situations, how he's managed, how the other dogs get together and, and work together as a group, these sorts of things. And, and it's, there's a, a lot on there now. And, and I actually have just aligned with the Castle framework, which is um, uh, a framework that is an SEL, social emotional learning um, uh, organization. It, it is an organization that, that, um, teaches people to teach these um, oh, concepts. Oh, nice. So I just added, we're, we're reorganizing our program to fit into the different categories and um, of their SEL framework and, and structure, and it will be easier for teachers to use and sort of see the organization that way. But the program is the same. The, the, the uh, various materials are, are just upgraded a little bit. We're adding focus questions, discussion questions, um, reading uh, response journal activities, and also hands-on activities to each of the PowerPoints that are on the, in the program. So it is really nice. Wow. Kids love it. And then we follow with visits with the dogs, either in person or virtually. So the kids really get into it, and they are known to do they, – they, one teacher in Bridgeport told me there was, there was a boy that was um, nonverbal in the class, and the kids really couldn't figure out how to relate to him and what to do with him. And he, was, he wasn't ostracized in a negative, you know, mean kind of way, but they weren't sure. And when she started doing Piglet Mindset with them, she saw them thinking about how they would wow. communicate and include this kid in whatever they were doing. And it was, she, she told me about this in, and she was in tears. And of course, then I was too. <laughs> yeah. And I just it's, got, it's, and I just got chills from it because I guess yeah. really what we're saying with just a minute left is yep. it's not just advocating for the disabled animal, the disabled person, a disability that can meet many criteria, but how does everybody else react? Is it judgmental? Is it critical? Is it ridiculing? Or is it curious and supportive and helpful? And I think that's something we all could learn a lot from. It'd be great if if our kids could go back home and teach their parents a little bit about, it doesn't matter if somebody acts different, eats different food, wears different yeah. clothes, goes to a different kind of a religious experience. We're all just here together. So yay for Piglet, yay for Georgia, yay for Melissa Shapiro. Anybody that wants to know more about the Piglet mindset, tell us the, 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 the where they go. The website is pigletmindset.org. My email, pinkpigletpuppy at gmail. And the book is um, Piglet, the Unexpected Story of a Deaf-Blind Pink Puppy and His Family. And we have a kid's book that is also part of the program, which is called Piglet Comes Home. Fantastic. Thank you, Melissa Shapiro, and to your amazing pack of dogs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the show. There's a few more special companies that make the show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. I want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered an effective natural way of using plant-powered products to repel fleas, ticks, and other parasites on our pets instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. 
Wonderside makes it possible to protect your pets, children, and property without the chemicals that could be harmful to all of us. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer only to their own high standards. Finally, we're supported by Magic Fabric Pet Throws, developed by a husband-wife team whose expertise in the textile industry solved the problem of their big hairy dog, Molly, who got on the couch in bed with them, despite her wet fur, muddy paws, and shedding. Sound familiar? They created machine-washable Magic Fabric Pet Throws to trap pet hair, dirt, and moisture letting you enjoy dog and cat cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes, furniture, or decor. You can buy direct from the creators at magicfabric.com. 